Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune, Jay Posner with me. I know if you're watching, you can actually see that on the screen, but if you're listening later, feel like we should identify ourselves. I am in St. Louis. We're one game into this series. The Padres are uh, just played the first game of a seven-game road trip and the first of ten games against winning teams. They lost. They have a bad offense, but we have... As we have talked before and written plenty on, we have evidence that it's not just them. Jay, how much do you want to get into the record and how quickly do you want to get into the offense? I feel like we should start with what happened over the weekend. Sure enough. Um, Against the Pirates, they won two out of three. The one game they didn't win was the game that, you know, you would expect Taylor Rogers to come in and lock things down. But look, you know, we've talked about it before. Closers aren't perfect. Not too often a guy's going to go through a whole season without blowing a save. Uh, this was, to me, this was really his first blown save. I know it's his second, technically. The other one, they asked him to come into an impossible situation and 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 rescue them. Um, but this one was, you know, the kind of situation where he had been perfect all year, and this time he wasn't. So, I mean, those are the kind of games that happen. Big win Sunday uh, after the bullpen blew another game, but uh, Trent Grisham with the home run. Which was a weird thing. I, I, you know, you know where I sit at the games. I have a great view down the right field line, and Grisham hit that ball, and I, I just turned to my wife and said, "That's it. That's gone." And it was weird because, like the play, you know, Grisham was sort of stood there and didn't know it was going to be fair, and and I was like, "Oh, I, that's fair. That's fair." And all of a sudden, it's hitting the pole. I mean, I just it just never seemed like it was going to get that close uh, to the pole. But that was a, a big moment for the the people who hung around. I mean, I. The, I would say the stadium was about 75% full at the end of the game. I have a feeling a lot of those kids who were out there that day, the parents had just had enough by uh, about 3.30 or so and, and packed play, it up. And headed play for, quicker games. Yeah, headed for the car. So, And that was a quick game compared to the one that was for 10 that, innings, especially. Yeah, that I most, the, compared to Saturday night's game, which was, I think, 3.43 and, and yesterday's slog, which was 3.33. Uh, I, I will say I missed most of yesterday's game. I went back, watched a couple of the highlights after, you know, reading your account of the game. Definitely a play Jake Cronenworth should make, does make, didn't make. You know, again, guys aren't perfect, but you'd expect a guy like Cronenworth to make that play. And the next guy, you know, smashes a home run. The Manny Machado play, it just, def- I, I think you called it reality defying in your, in your story. And it, it really was, I just can't. And one of the things about it is, and, and Major League Baseball, I know that they always, you know, I'm sure they listen to this podcast religiously and take into account everything that we suggest. And and I happened to turn on the radio right after that happened yesterday, and, and Jesse Agler made this point as well as he and I both have, have done through, for, for years now. And now the umpire has a microphone. Use the microphone. You know, and they and Jesse said they've been told only use it for replay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. We're going to give you this this device, but we're not going to let you use it except when we tell you to use it. What would have been so hard for Lance, except for the fact that Lance Barksdale really had no explanation right. for whatever right. in the world right. he called? Right. But he should at least explain. Here's what I called. Now people could laugh at that because I don't I don't know what it was. Tell you t- you tell me what did he actually call on that. Play. He called Machado for interference. Initially called foul tip and then interference. Then after conferring with his partners and the crew said no foul tip, but interference. 
Okay. Either way, and, and evidently it doesn't matter if the it actually affected the play. That's the way the rule reads, I guess. Um, but so I don't know. People tell me that on TV it looked like uh, the backswing did hit his sleeve or his arm or whatever. I I, I don't know. It clearly had nothing to do with the play. It clear right. that Lance Barksdale didn't know anything about, didn't know what was going on. I don't know. I don't. I don't know either. But I mean, it, it looked like to me. First of all, it kind of looked like a foul tip. Um, and Manny said that it was a foul tip, and Lance Barksdale said it was a foul tip initially. Right. And then he changed his mind, and it's pretty hard to believe that Yadi Molina is going to drop the ball if it's not a foul tip. I mean, he's caught a few of those in his career. I mean, um, that's the best catcher yeah. in the history of the world. We're in the best. We're where the best fans in the history right. of baseball are. I mean, I I was surprised. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it was not interference. It was a bad call. Whether it changed the game, who knows? I mean, you got the best player guy who's been the best yeah. player in the league so far at, at the plate with a. It would have had another shot at it with a three-two yeah. count. And even if it wasn't a three-two count, if he did, if Molina did drop the ball, Machado's out, but Azokar should be on second base. Maybe it's, it's not different a, there. If it's not right. a foul tip. So maybe it's different based on that. Who knows? But anyway, it was one of those things. And then Stephen Wilson came out and got lit up. But you can't just say, well, it wouldn't have mattered because the whole everything changes based on what happens beforehand. So not a great, still not a great day for the Padres. They only scored, well, three runs, had a rally in the ninth. It's a remarkable thing. This is one <laughs> stat that might sum up as well as, as almost any. The Padres have scored in three innings, at least three innings of 22 games. That's more than any team besides the Yankees. That's really hard to believe. The problem is it's too often one run and then a runner or two or three are left on base because they can't get the big hit, right? The bases clearing double or, God forbid, a home run Um, like they did. You know, they have out hit 10 of their last 11 opponents. I saw that. So now – on Saturday or on Sunday, for instance, you know, a lot of those times in those um, 10 games, the Padres have double digit hits. They had eight hits on, on uh, Sunday. Not great, right? I mean, eight hits right. on average. Two of them were home runs. They won the yeah. game. Boom. Well, Saturday night, they had however many hits, but they had 16 men left on base, um, which is pretty difficult to do. And, and I think they were all in the first eight innings. Um, yes, no, because that's they reached base in every inning except the ninth, and no team has left more players on base this season in a nine-inning game. I guess the Diamondbacks left seventeen on in a ten-inning game once. Right, right. So that you know that's that's tough to do to have sixteen in in eight innings, um, and uh, so that was a bad you know bad situation. Um, so anyway, the bottom line is they since we last spoke they played four games they won two of them they lost two of them I don't know they're in the same position that they've that they've been in they are what 30 and 18 identical uh, record to 2021 yeah they're three the games three games behind the Dodgers who by the way coughed up a lead in the ninth inning last night Craig Kimbrell um and they've lost three pirates. out of four they, they've lost three out of four to the Pirates this year um one of those weird things and I also was looking. I mean, it's look. It's early. We're we're barely. We're not even at the one third mark. I think we'll hit we'll hit the one third mark at the end of this week with Sunday game fifty four. Right? right, game fifty four. Um, and um, but the Padres are the first wild card team at the at the moment, and they are seven games above already. Seven games above the fourth wild card team. So 
again, this this is a season that there can be no excuses for this team not making the playoffs. I don't think most people would expect them to win the division. So the question then becomes, you know, how many games do you win? How how well are you playing? How healthy can you be? All that sort of thing. Um, but again, yeah, it's the same problems as always. The offense doesn't is it doesn't seem to score enough runs, and yet they're what right in the middle of Major League Baseball in terms it's, of um, runs I think they're tied for fifteenth, which with like the Rays, and it puts them obviously exactly in the middle. So <laughs> right. So there's a lot of teams that are worse off than they are when it comes to offense. There are not a lot of teams that are better than they are when it comes to pitching. Um, certainly not starting pitching. The, the as we talked about, the bullpen always this always seems to find one guy in a game who struggles. Um, but in general, the pitching has been good. The starters have been really good. I mean, even Nick Martinez yesterday. I mean, it, it looked like it might be a disaster. Uh, the one inning where they, I think they already had three runs on the board and and uh, bases loaded and Goldschmidt and Arenado coming up and he got out of it. Um, that guy so battles. I'll tell you he, what, he, that is your classic. You're thrilled to have that guy as your number five starter, and he's not even their number five starter. So <laughs> He's like their number seven starter. Um, so, again, that, and the the issues are the same, and yet they're, you know, they're 30 and 18. And uh, uh, this we talked about a little bit last week, but this is an interesting week. Two more games here uh, in St. Louis for you, and then off to Milwaukee. For four, the Brewers, uh, obviously a good team, as we saw last week at Petco. And then the Mets, uh, although missing their top two pitchers, will be here uh, in San Diego next week. So I, I don't know. Where, where else do you want to you want to go back to the offense and the fact how they compare? Um, yeah, I think that would be that would be really good. Because, I, 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 yeah, I, I was saying just before we we came on, we came on live for the big show here. <laughs> that I just finished reading through uh, Jeff Sanders does power rankings every week and for major league baseball and usually does them on Monday. We waited a day obviously because of the holiday, but he came up with an interesting angle this week, which is that he said, and, and I'm just reading from it here. He says, as perplexing as it is to see so many sub 660 OPS regulars in the Padre lineup. And he lists Voigt, Cronenworth, Myers, Nola, and Grisham. A look around the league is that there's a reminder that something is truly in the water, in the air, in the ball, something. And he goes through and points out how many teams, and basically it's 29 other teams, that pretty much have at least one guy and sometimes many more struggling. I mean, the Dodgers, uh, Gavin Lux, Justin Turner are sub-700 OPS. Max Muncy is sub-600 uh, at the um, excuse me at the moment. Uh, I was looking at some of these other guys, Mike Zanino of the Rays, who had an 860 OPS last year with 33 homers, has a 501 this year. And you can just go down uh, down the list here. Brandon Crawford's OPS is 648. Yes, Monty Grandal is at 504. Adam Duvall, who was so good for the Braves last year with 38 homers, 526 OPS. Chris Bryant doesn't have a home run yet. Uh playing in Denver. I know he's hurt now, but anyway, it's, it's, it's all around the league and whether it's the ball or it's the pitching or, or what it is. Um, it's kind of a reminder that while we watch the Padres every day and it's easy to see their shortcomings offensively of which obviously there are many, uh, I guess they're not alone in all this, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> Both can be true. They yeah. need to be better. 
on offense. Uh I almost see that there's no possible way they can't get better because, I mean, people don't hit 150 and stay in the big leagues. So, right, right. uh, I don't see how they don't get better. But yes, look around, and it that's what it is. Now, I, I've said this before because I'm thrilled to be nitpicking, and that's not exactly nitpicking. It's pretty right in front of your face. This offense is right. terrible. <laughs> I'm thrilled to be talking about the shortcomings of a 30-18 and 18 team, mm-hmm. the shortcomings of a team where I'm anticipating 100 more, 100-plus more meaningful games as opposed to what has gone on a lot of times here. Man, they don't have anybody in their lineup they can hit. Oh, well, they weren't going right. to win anyway. So, right. I, right. I, yes, it is absolutely valid. They stink on offense. They, but, I mean, It's mind-boggling how bad they are. Some of those things, go read that, uh, go read that story by Jeff. Some of those things you even just said out loud are like, Wow, I mean, it's it's incredible how bad it is. And and what are, I mean, you're around you're around players almost every day. I mean, what what do they what do they talk about in in terms? Maybe of it's I mean, the ball they say that that they feel like there have been a number of balls they've hit that they thought were going out or were going to the wall to the gap. Um, you know, that said, like. Jay Cronenworth swinging and missing more, right? Like there's something yeah. wrong there. Trent Grisham, you know, we've talked, I mean, ad nauseum about his, you know, selectivity that has turned into passivity, whatever the word is. And, <laughs> and you know, there's, there's, it's not all the ball, but it is the ball and there is something going on. And so. And to the, and from a pitching standpoint, I mean, the Padres have some really good pitchers, and obviously, you, if 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 it is the ball, they have benefited. Uh, I think Taylor Rogers has benefited from a few until the other night. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, but it, so I mean, know, I think the, Sean Manaya, even though he's given up some eight hundred footers, I think he's benefited from a few because he gives up a lot of fly balls when he's right. you know, when the pitch doesn't hit where it's supposed to. Um, so I, they I feel the there's Padres something. Are very grateful. Do they feel there's something different as well? Absolutely. Everyone acknowledges there is, and I haven't been able to put together like a coherent story about it, and I and I probably should, but like there are no answers. But it's almost kind of like, well, there has to be. Yeah, there. I. But also, they're they're cognizant of wanting to take responsibility for not feeling good at the plate, for not executing, um, because they look over and they see Paul Goldschmidt has 11 homers. They look over and they see that there's you know uh, six guys on the Brewers that have more homers than you know their top two guys, and, right. and and that sort of thing. So they, you know, also the Padres are, and there's no answer for this. I don't know. Maybe it's the new batter's eye that they say is no different. But maybe it's that the weather has the. If we check the weather patterns, they are convinced the ball at Petco is just not going places. Well, and it makes maybe sense. Maybe they have a hyper humidor at Petco. I was going to say. I mean, I, I think having a humidor at a place, and and I think this has been written about uh, elsewhere. There are cities where it makes zero sense to have a humidor, um, and San Diego is one of them because it just doesn't. There's no reason. There's no reason for it. And then you add in the fact that. We just had uh, today's the last day of May, and I mean the sun's already out in my house. It's beautiful, but for the most part, and the sun did come out Sunday, but it wasn't warm. I mean, it was probably seventy degrees on Sunday at at Petco. Um, but they have played a lot of games in conditions 
that are not conducive to the ball flying. I mean, I, I, I remember, I think it might have been the Brewers series where I happened to see the beginning of the game each time. And when when uh, Bally Sports started their broadcast with the weather, I think three straight nights, it was like 61, 62, 62 degrees or something like that at Petco. I mean, it's been chilly. And you add in the fact that you have these dead, so you have air, uh, cool air where the ball doesn't fly and balls that are in the humidor, so they're not going to fly. And I think that that enters into some of it. And again, the Padres, you know, we talk about the offense and the Padres offense being a problem. Padres pitchers are the other side of this. Padres pitchers are benefiting from they're using the same balls that the other team's pitchers are using. There's, yeah. My first thing is there's got to be something to complain about. And so let's complain about the <laughs> offense. The humidor was supposed to even things out. Where like, if a, if a ballpark like Petco, I remember a story in the athletic that Petco was supposed to see um, hitters at Petco were supposed to see the greatest benefit by some measures or whatever. Yeah. And because it was supposed to bring up the, make the ball fly more. And that's obviously not what's happened. I think Jeff Sanders did a story where he talked to a guy who's uh, uh, a physicist who said, uh, no, there's really not any, no, there, there may be no change whatsoever. I thought that was really good. Uh, And clearly there's either been no change or, it is it's hurt them. Hey, I saw a story in our paper today that Gary Robbins guy, the only guy, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, gets more hits that because he writes about the weather. What's your people's fascination with the weather in San Diego? It's always the same, but it's always right here too. It was going to be 70 degrees. No, I think it's great. Read Gary Robbins. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was going to be 70 in San Diego for the first time. Look, it feels like been on the road, like since April or since the beginning of April here. Is that true? Has it been under 70 for like a month? Yeah, at the wow. at, down at where the official weather station is at the airport. Yeah. It has been under 70 for wow. basically the month. This is like the that's what I was, I was trying to say. This has been <clears throat> from reading Gary and our old friend Rob Creer, uh, who has retired but is still on Twitter. This is going to be like the coldest May in 20 years, uh, or something like that. And so, Wait, I, man, so I know this guy retired. And he's still on Twitter writing about the weather? Yeah. Wow. I wouldn't say writing about it. He's tweeting about it. Let's let's make sure there's a... Once once you get that weather bug, you can't shake it, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it has been uh, been a cool... It has been a cool May here, and and it's it's ending now, okay. and we'll see. And but it's just in time for June gloom, right? I don't know. Okay. Uh, so anyway, this time anyway. last year they didn't yeah. have this pitching staff. They had the same record. I think they were a half game up. I think tomorrow or like what today's game would be their forty first game. They won. They actually crushed Corbin Burns in Milwaukee. Right. This trip was brutal. This was the Milwaukee, Houston, uh, Chicago Cubs. Uh, trip at this time the Padres were in first place I think they got to like a game and a half up they spent like a week in first place everything was great but they didn't have this pitching and suddenly in the middle of June they didn't have great hitting either I wrote a story obviously he read it what can I say I remember writing a story in the Denver airport about Manny needs to step up uh the next day from June like 16th to uh, July 16th, Manny Machado had like a 1,200 OPS. He went yeah. out of control. Guess what? The Padres had their best 27-game stretch in team history in terms of OPS from the middle of June to the middle of July. Right. It does happen. 
It yep. does happen. If that happens with this pitching staff, which it won't because all of a sudden the pitchers will start giving up more. But if <laughs> that happened again with this pitching staff, the Padres will go 27-0. and 0. That doesn't happen. It just doesn't. Right. right. And I, I can't remember what you said, but I do want to point out that today's the 49th game. Um, just, you- so we have, uh, <laughs> just so we have that. But I, I do want to go back to – and I'm just trying to to get something up here, but I I want to go back to Sunday and Mackenzie Gore um, oh. because it was it was I know you were flying um, and uh, not sure how much of the of the game or the highlights or anything that you that you got to see, but and I will say the Pirates the Pirates stink, but mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. Pirates the Pirates did come out the next day after facing Mackenzie Gore and they scored six runs against Walker Bueller and Craig Kimbrell, so you know. They're, they, they're also a major league team or whatever you want to call it. But Gore has now pitched in, I'm looking at this, in eight games um, in the big leagues. And I believe seven of those were starts. He had the one game where he only went three uh, at Philadelphia. And he in those games, he's given up this number of earned runs, 2-0-1-1, 3-0-1-0. Um, and you know, he, he's just, he looks so good. It's almost scary to think that it's, he's pitched in only eight games and he has a, you know, he has a 1.69 ERA. He's, he's faced the Braves. He's faced the Reds twice. Um, he faced the guardians, the Cubs, the Phillies, the giants, the pirates. I, I guess you could say his toughest test will be this weekend uh, when he faces the brewers, but you know, look, he faced the Braves. They did win the world series. Uh, last year, he had to pitch in Cincinnati, which is a, you know, a band box. He had pitched in Philly, which is a band box. Faced the Giants, who won 107 games last year. So it's you know he's not facing Triple A hitters, and he's he's getting he's getting guys out. He's pitched in, I think it's 40 like 42 innings. He's given up only 31 runs. Um, he has 47 strikeouts. I mean, just everything about this guy. Um, and seeing getting to see him in person the other day just added to it. But everything about this guy just, you know, s- screams that this was the guy, I've said it before, this was the guy they drafted, this was the guy they hoped he would become. And it would be fascinating someday to hear him sort of recount everything that he's gone through. Maybe that comes after the season. I'm sure it's not something he wants to sit down and relive, uh, you know, when he's in the middle of it. But it would be interesting just to hear him talk about what he went through and and sort of where he is now uh because he feels like he's he's been through like this whole long career if you will and he's 23 years old yeah he's, i mean it's if if he ever does and i'm sure he will but he is just not a guy who i think you'd love him jay he he's a, he reminds me a little of cal quantrell and mm-hmm. in terms of I'm just pitching, but he's a uh-huh. badass. Like I was surprised when I went back and I did my book uh, from Sunday's game and, and everything. He had base runners every inning. Now it was yeah. the Pirates. I don't think you want to do that against the Dodgers. That said, Mackenzie Gore has the stuff and the mindset that once he gets a base runner, he's going to shove. He's he's mm-hmm. he's angry about it. I mean, that's who he is. You remember that story, and I, you hear more about it all the time. Um, Mackenzie Gore's a good guy. He doesn't say bad words, but sometimes when he's pitching and he's talking about pitching, he does. Um, remember the story about facing Fernando Tatis Jr. in the prospects game, and he thought Tatis was you know 
too close to the plate. So he dusted him. And, and he, he t- the next day, people were really surprised. And he's like, you know, I won't say the words that he said, but, you know, he was pissed. Like, Tatis was – that was disrespectful. And, uh-huh. I mean, I, I, that's who he is. And And what I am interested to talk to him about is this seems like the same confidence he had then, which right. clearly he lost, which anybody would have, which was the big worry that everyone had, right? Like how does anyone, we think Mackenzie Gore is this guy who can handle this sort of troubles that he's having, Mm -hmm. but how does any human being do that? He did it. And here he is pitching like an absolute, like the guy that they thought he was going to be. And what I'm curious, because they show, you see him on TV all the time. The, 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 the other, the starting pitchers have such emotion and, and everything when they're, when they're all gathered together, in the dugout that the camera loves them. They love showing these guys and he he's there. And, you know, there's all these veterans uh, around him, no matter who else is, is pitching, but, you know, guys like Snell and Clevenger and, and Mania and Darvish and, 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 uh, and Musgrove. And they're all, you know, they're all around him. And, and then you, he's just like, looks like sort of this guy, like this almost kid on the side, but he looks like he fits in with, with them. And I'm just wondering what do the other guys think of him and how he has fit in as a, as sort of the, you know, the young guy on a staff of uh, look, everybody else that's on that staff in terms of starters has been around for several years. Um, What do the other guys say about him? When you, uh, they, they love him. He's uh, he is like the perfect old school mix of deference, but I've even witnessed a few moments where it's clear he's becoming more comfortable. I saw one in the clubhouse yesterday where he was joking around with Sean Manaya, and who's by the way, the easiest guy in the world to joke around with. And I mm-hmm. think he helps keep everything loose. Joe Musgrove brings them together. Manaya, uh, you know, uh, Snell helps keep everyone loose, but they absolutely love this kid for, the, the way that he is, but there is a, um, there's a serious deference, but you are seeing Mackenzie Gore become more comfortable as a, as a part of that, that group. It's he's like the little brother, right? That they all he's absolutely in, like, in I group. mean, it, you're, you're right. Everyone there has done something, be it pitch 32 game, you know, start 32 games a couple times. I mean, at the minimum, right. Win a side yeah. young, uh, been one of the best pitchers in baseball for four years. If you're Mike Clevenger, you know, what Joe Musgrove is doing now through a no hitter. He, there's a, there, you Darvish, one of the best mm-hmm. pitchers probably of this time uh, over the past decade. So it's, it's a pretty amazing group that he's come into. And that's why I say it's clear. He shows a lot of deference and he's a very quiet kid, but I've, I've witnessed four or five moments in the last two weeks that it, he is becoming more one of the guys. Mm-hmm. No, that's uh that's cool. Now what happens Snell pitches tonight. We should get to that against Adam Wainwright, who I think's been pitching longer than either of us have been around. <laughs> and then um, I, I've already lost track. Is it Darvish? So yeah, goes, Darvish. Uh, Snell, Darvish. and then it starts over, right? So, it's, right, so and you're going to a six-man rotation without Martinez in it. You're okay. going to go uh, Darvish, Manaya, Musgrove, Gore, Clevenger, Snell. Okay, okay. Go like that. So it is virtually certain that, I mean, unless they run into trouble before that, and and I guess that Martinez could be ready as soon as Saturday. So, but Martinez is expected to be the piggyback because you're not going to throw Mike Clevenger right back in and have him go ninety plus pitches. Right. 
So right. unless he's extremely efficient, then you would see Nick Martinez come in against the Brewers probably. And then we'll, you know, we'll go forward from there. And it's a lot of it is going to, and, and Bob Melvin has said this, a lot of it's going to hinge on Clevenger and his health. And then I think you just sort of assume slash hope that Blake Snell starts giving you, you know, five plus innings. Yeah. Yeah. Because at some point then you're starting to, if, if not, if, if Snell struggles to get beyond that like he did early last year and you've got Clevenger working back, you know, then you're you're starting to tax the bullpen. Now, Adrian Morahone is eligible to come back in, uh, what, a week? And I don't know exactly what the plan is there. We'll find out here soon. Michelle Baez is. I'd expect Jose Castillo at any time. Okay. Pomerantz probably more like the middle slash end of June. Um, so, all right. Well, it's always, yeah, it will be to see uh, these guys come back and where they slot into different, different spots and uh, and everything. So, all right. Well, you are off till uh, to, it's a night game tonight, a day game tomorrow, and then off to Milwaukee. We will not do this again on Thursday. We'll wait till Friday and uh, talk about what happened in these next three games and then what's ahead for the weekend with the, I guess they're not really the Brewers, they're the crew, right? That's all well, I always hear. They're the crew. I'll call them the Brewers if that's, if I have your permission. Okay. Yeah. All right. There's the 30 minute tone. We'll talk to you on Friday. Thanks everybody. Thanks everybody.